Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, are you ready to hear the Word of God? I'm ready to preach it. Um, we are in week three of a sermon series that we've been calling I've Got Questions. I've Got Questions, and I, I like to joke and tell our staff that you can, you can really hear what I'm going through as a person if you hear what I preach as a pastor. I think some people assume that because I've dedicated my life to studying this book that I have it all figured out, that I never doubt, that I never wonder, that I never fear, that I never get anxious, um, that I never get depressed, that I never question the Lord, and I do. And I think that it's in my weakness that we all get to relate, honestly. Uh, in Jesus' weakness, we found salvation. And I think sometimes we try and be so strong around people, we make people feel weak. But when we're willing to be weak around people, you know, you can make people feel strong. And uh, we do more. We do more with our questions. So we've been asking some really big questions in this series. A couple of weeks ago, we asked the question, why? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this kind of pain and hurt? Uh, last week, we asked the question, who am I? And it was a question about identity and purpose and community. And the answer to both of those questions, if you were with us, I'm going to ask you to shout it out when I say shout it out. And if you don't know the answer to this question, that either means you weren't here or I'm a bad preacher. So I really hope that you didn't nail it. But if not, I'll just shout out with you and I'll pretend like you all said it. So we said that it really is the same answer to both questions. That whenever we ask God why or we ask God who am I, God answers, I am. Come on, church. I'm so proud of y'all. You know what? I will keep, I will keep pastoring. I will keep that because some days, no, I'm just playing. Uh, I am. I am is the name of God. Yahweh, the Lord, it's what he revealed himself to Moses as. And it's God's way of answering our question without answering our question. He is the, he is the answer to our, Jesus is the answer to all of our questions. <clears throat> and if you have been attending Journey Church for any amount of time, we interview people in the lobby before the sermon begins. And they found two people who were with us for four and a half years, which is a big deal because we've only been at church for five. So like they were right there. And if you've been here that long, you know every sermon that I preach, ends with Jesus being the answer. In fact, spoiler alert, every sermon I ever preach will end with Jesus being the answer. I truly believe it. I believe the answer is not money. The answer is not just people. The answer is not just fame or stature or success. The answer has been, is, and will always be Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. So I want to tell you right now, I will never preach a sermon where Jesus is not the answer except for this one. <laughs> In this sermon, Jesus is not the answer. In this sermon, Jesus is the question. Jesus is the question. The title of today's message is Jesus is the question. Did you know that in the New Testament, Jesus is asked 183 questions. That's a lot of questions. And honestly, it gives me comfort to know that when I have questions for God, there were 183 people who had them too. 
it gives me comfort to be able to come to him with my questions, to know that in the Bible, many men and women of God do that. Did you know that in the Bible, although Jesus is asked 183 questions, he asks 307 questions. 307 questions. I think you can see where I'm going with this. Did you know that of the 183 questions that Jesus is asked, he only answers three of them? Dang, Jesus. That means 180 people were left on red. 180, through, 180 people saw the dot, dot, dot on the phone, and it just never, it never came through. 183 questions, and he only answers three directly. Are you ready for the real mind blower? That means that for every question Jesus answers directly, he asks literally 100. So can I bring it home for you? For every question you have for Jesus, he has 100 for you. My God. Did you know asking questions and storytelling was Jesus' preferred method of teaching? And even when he told stories, he was really just asking questions in another way because he would never explain the meaning of the story. So then people would walk away and start asking questions. So he would tell a story about a fig tree and then all the disciples would walk away and be like, are you the fig or am I the fig? <laughs> Maybe you're the tree. And then someone would pop out and be like, nah, I think he was just hungry. I saw him walk past the fig tree the other day and there were no figs and he yelled at it. I think he wants a sandwich. And he's just letting us know. I think we're looking too into it. You ever read the Bible and be like, am I looking too into that verse? The disciples were like, are we looking too into this? It's just, it's just a tree, guys. I don't know. Always asking questions. Did you know that Jesus' very first recorded words in the Bible, first recorded words, were questions? It was when he went to visit church with his parents. And then the Bible says that Mary and Joseph, his mother and father, earthly father, earthly mother, that they walked away. And I just got to just shout at Mary and Joseph here for a second. Bible says that they lost him. Like, dude, you have one job. <laughs> you don't got to save the world. Just keep eyes on the kid. And not only that, the Bible says that they did not know that he was not following them for days. Can you believe that? It's almost as if they had gotten so used to spending time with Jesus that they could not recognize that he had left them, which is easy to judge, except when you think about the fact that maybe they were expecting Jesus to follow them instead of us who is supposed to be following Jesus. I didn't ask you how long you were a Christian. I, I said, are you, is he with you? Is he in your traveling party? Or did you leave him at your last crisis? Did you leave him at your last relationship? Did you leave him at your last church? Did you leave him at your last moment of deconstruction of your faith? Just because you were with him doesn't mean you're with him now if you're not following him. And then they get to the church. They finally see Jesus and they're like, why did you do this to us? They asked Jesus a question. And you know what Jesus' answer was? A question. He looks back at his mama and his daddy and says, why were you looking for me? And then says, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? Come on. I'm just like, I'm glad Jesus, Jesus is not my son. 
Jesus would have got a pow pow right there. Don't you ever talk to me like, I bet, I bet Mary was halfway there. She was like, oh wait, that's God. Let me just, let me just holster that slap right there before he sends me to hell. Uh, he would never, he would never do that. But he just had question after question after question. Sometimes Jesus's questions were rhetorical. Like he wasn't really looking for an answer. Like the one time he said, whom among you by worrying can add one moment to your life? It wasn't a real question. It was rhetorical. It was to get you to realize that worry adds no value to your existence. Other times his questions were challenging. Like one time he was preaching to the Pharisees. Now these are the supposed religious scholars, the theologians, the, the smart guys. And they're not understanding what Jesus is saying. Their eyes are rolling back. They don't understand any of his prophecies. They don't understand any of his metaphors, any of his symbolisms, any of his similes, any of his parables. And he looks at them and he asks the question to these learned men. He goes, why don't you understand what I'm saying? Just like that. And before they can answer, he answers the question himself. He goes, it's because you don't want to understand what I'm saying. Because if you truly understood what I was saying, you knew that that would have implications on the way you live your life. And because you're not ready to change your life, you choose to not understand. Wow. Dang, Jesus. Coming out the gate. Hot. Other times, if I could be honest, and Lord, please don't strike me dead for this, but sometimes his questions just seem silly. That's the nicest way I can say it. Just silly. Like one time, Peter was walking on water there's a storm going on and he begins to drown. And Jesus looks at him and says, asks the question. He goes, why did you doubt? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I'm walking on water, bro. And that lightning bolt was like three inches from me. It hit the water and I didn't get electrocuted. I don't know how science works, it's not invented yet, but I should be dead. <laughs> and I'm scared. What a silly question, or was it? I think Jesus, uh, oh, by the way, in the way his life ended, he was on the cross asking, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm trying to make a point that in his birth, in his adulthood, and even in his death, his life was marked by questions, which is significant because we often go to Jesus begging for answers. And what if, instead of the answers, that we ask him, it's questions that he offers. I think Jesus uses questions over answers because questions have a particular advantage that answers don't. Answers, for example, answers explain, but questions reveal. Questions reveal. I was praying for my sister to come to Jesus for so long, and my sister, she serves the Lord now. She serves on our worship team. She's not perfect by any means, but she loves Jesus. And she comes to church, she serves on teams. In case you're wondering who my sister is, it's the one on the worship team who does not stop moving <laughs> and jumping and backflipping, and she just loves Jesus. And uh, my mother and my father and I, we prayed for her for 15, 16 years. She grew up in church. Why do I say that she grew up in church? Because she had the answers, but the answers aren't what changed her life. Every time I would go to Thanksgiving or Christmas and I would see her and her life would be in shambles and she'd be going through obvious pain, you know what I would do? I, I couldn't separate my brother hat from my pastor hat, so I would give her answers. Vicky, what you're doing right now, it's not the right thing. You're making bad choices, Vicky. Jesus is the answer, Vicky. Give your life to Jesus and life will get better. I promise you, give your life to Jesus so you can start living. And you know what? Vicky never, ever received that from me because answers end. 
They don't, they, they answer just explain. They just explain what's happening. It's not, it's, I was just explaining to her that her life was much, she already knew that. You know, when she gave her life to Christ, it was at the end of 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was a day when her husband had left her, when her kids were wilding out, when she didn't know how she was going to pay the bill the next month and where she was going to live. And all of a sudden, listen, her life had arrived at a point where she began asking herself questions. Why are my choices not panning out? Why, why am I feeling depressed? Why are the drugs not doing it? Why are the people not doing it? Why, why is it that, that, that none of this feels life to me? What is going on inside of me? Hear me, it was not my answers that helped her. It was her questions. Because God cannot be explained, he can only be revealed. So I can tell someone about God all I want, but it isn't until their life enters a valley that God shows himself in the valley. Oh, that was him. He was there all along. Questions reveal things inside of us. Answers end. Questions move. Questions move. Do not allow it to be lost on you that within the word question is the word what? Quest. Because questions have a way of taking you on a journey to uncover a treasure that exists outside of yourself. This is for somebody. This isn't on the screen, but this is for somebody. This is going to help somebody right here. You can just take what I'm about to say and go home, but don't, because I prepared really hard for this message, and I want you to stay for the rest of it. <laughs> Listen to me. Are you ready? You want to know why you're stuck? Oftentimes, when we get stuck in life, it's because we think we have all the answers. The moment you think you have all the answers, I need some more snaps, my, my, I need some more snaps, yeah. The, this is a word, y'all. The moment you think you have all the answers, you stop moving and you get stuck. The people who the Bible no, no longer helps are the people who think they know everything the Bible has to say. I was hanging out with a pastor the other day. He, he asked me for some advice. He was his first year pastoring. He said, Pastor JJ, can you help me? I've preached 52 weeks. He said, and I've preached everything there is to know in the Bible. He's like, I've touched all the topics, love, sex, money, faith, atheism, fasting, tongues, Holy Spirit, 52 is a long time. Pastor, he goes, I don't know what to preach next year. And my heart broke for him because somehow he read the Bible and, ha and left with more answers than questions. And the moment you have more answers than questions, you stop growing, you stop developing, you stop learning, and you stop becoming, you just are which is my last point here, answers define us, questions transform us. If you get an answer about yourself, that just says who you are, but it does not point to who you can become. My kids have this bad habit, and maybe your kids do as well, they like to leave their things out. They take out their toys, they leave their toys out. They, they take out the bowl of cereal and they make the bowl of cereal and then they leave the bowl of cereal with the cereal still in the bowl, which you and I know you can't do because that cornflakes is about to turn into cement flakes. <laughs> Have you ever tried to get out the stale cereal? I think it's tough. And then they leave it to me to clean up. Well, let's be honest, Pastor Liz to clean up. <laughs> they take off their underwear, take a shower, they leave their underwear like the hamper's not there. <laughs> And so for a while, my wife and I would tell them what to do. And we would point out how they are failing. You left out your uh, shirt. You left out your toy. You left out this. You left out your bowl. You left out the milk. And what we started to realize is that through our constant correction, they began to become dejected. They began to appear discouraged. It was like we kept telling them what they were doing, but they kept hearing who they were. So my wife and I flipped the script. So now when they ask us, can we go play? 
Can I play video game? Can I go upstairs to my room? Can I go outside? Instead of saying, you did this, you did this, you did that, you did that, definition, I go, have you left anything out? Have you put everything away? Now listen, I have not cracked the code. They still leave stuff out. <laughs> but something is happening as they're processing this question. They're reflecting on themselves. Now, now before they ask to go out, they're thinking, have I put everything away? Have I put, I'm just trying to tell you that the question can do more for you than the answer can. Be careful if, hey, do you have a job? No, I am unemployed. That might be the answer, but if you live in that answer, you'll never change. Here's a better question that'll serve you instead of that answer. Why can't you hold a job? Or why is it that you have not been able to find a job that gives you joy? And if you ask yourself that question, things inside of you will begin to change and transform. Instead of, hey, how's the marriage going? Not well. We're, we're, we're not getting along well. That's the answer. Don't let that define you. Ask the question, why is it not going well? What is it that's, that's, that's happening or not happening in your relationship that your heart doesn't flutter like it used to flutter when you saw her get up in the morning? Why is it that you come home like you're just coming home to your college roommate and not the love of your life? Ask yourself these questions and these questions will, will transform who you are. Sometimes I think, we think to ourselves, hey, when I get to heaven, I'd love to ask Jesus some questions. I've got questions for him. And if he could just answer this question, why I had to get sick. If he could just answer this question, why my dad had to pass away. If he could just answer this question, life would be all good. I'd, I'd be so happy to spend eternity if he could just answer those questions. And I got to wonder if when we get to heaven, it'll be us who has questions for Jesus or Jesus who has questions for us. And I think heaven is not going to be his answers to us, but our answers to him. Because the thing that changes your life, hear me, are not the questions that we ask Jesus. The things that will change your life are the questions that Jesus asks you. And so I got a subtitle for this sermon. When I can't choose between titles, I give a title and a subtitle. It's bad preaching, but I'm the pastor. So I can see what I want. So, so the, the main title is... Jesus is the question, but this is what I really wanted to call the sermon. I just think it, would, it wouldn't as good. People wouldn't click on it at YouTube, so. But this is what I really wanted to call it. Today I want to preach to you the sermon with no answers. Because are you ready? You're going to have to answer every question I pose. It's not going to be me. I'm going to present to you three questions that Jesus asked throughout Scripture. And it doesn't matter what my answer is. You are going to have, you, you know those choose your own adventure books when you were a kid? <laughs> Today you get to choose your own sermon. You decide where this goes because Jesus doesn't have answers for you today. Jesus has got questions for you today, but I think his questions might do more for your life than the answers that you seek. First question Jesus asks, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he questioned his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus cuts them off almost mid-sentence. But who about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? And I love two things about this question. Number one, I love that it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. It matters only what you think. 
some people try to straddle this answer, this question. And well, you know, some people say Jesus is this, and some people say Jesus is that, and God is like, mm -mm, I'm not looking for conjecture, I'm looking for a confession. Pick a side. Who am I to you? Who am I to you? And the second part I love about this, if you pay very close attention, they answer Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. If you're familiar with Jewish history, and if you're not, that's why I'm here. I did the homework for you. All three of those individuals were people who were supposed to pave the way for the Messiah, that is the Savior of the world, who we know Jesus to be. So isn't it interesting that they picked three people who are close to the Messiah, but not the Messiah? It's like they were trying to get as close to the answer without fully committing because they might be wrong. So like, I don't want to hurt your feelings, Jesus. Are you ready? It was a backhanded compliment. This is who I think you might be, but this is what people say you are and, and, and leaving it for him. But you know, you're a good guy and you're, they were trying to commend Jesus, but they weren't willing to crown Jesus. It's a question that everyone will have to answer one day. The Bible says in Revelations that in the end of time, everyone will have to answer this question. And look what the Bible says. Every knee will bow. That's right. And every tongue will confess. You don't have to answer it now, but you'll answer it one day. That Jesus is Lord. Amen. And that, by the way, that's who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. Now, you might say, well, Pastor JJ, I thought you said this was the sermon with no answers. You just gave us the answer. It doesn't matter. That's the answer. <laughs> but you know, going. But the answer and your answer woo, can be two different answers. I didn't say who he was. I said, who is he to you? And tell me without telling me. I'm not on social media a lot, but I see this, this like social media trend. Have you seen it? You know, tell me you were born in the '90s without telling me you were born in the '90s. And then someone posts, bye bye bye, right? You know, like. Tell me you love your wife without telling me you love your wife. Tell me you're broke without telling me you're broke. <laughs> you know, are you like, show me in your actions, but not in your words. Are you ready? Tell me who he is to you and tell me who he is to you without telling me who he is to you. Are you tracking me? I remember the first time I was pulled over by an undercover cop. Um, I was on I-4 and I knew that under cops, undercover cops existed because I watched cop shows. What I didn't know was that undercover cop cars were a thing. Unmarked cars. I didn't know that was a thing. And I had just seen a movie about these two guys who pretended to be cops putting a siren on their, on their car so that they can go through traffic. So I'm on I-4 and this car puts on the sirens and they're right behind me. But it's an unmarked car. So I'm like, they're not getting me. So I, I keep my speed. I'm like, if you want to go around, you know how you are when you get real prideful in the left lane? You can go around. I'm doing the limit. You can go around. And they just kept right behind me. I said, oh, it's going to be like that. So I sped up. And my cop, his car is, now I don't know it's a cop car, but the cop car's following me now. Following me, following me. I'm like, and this guy, now I'm thinking this is like a serial killer type moment. This person's trying to harm me. So then I slow down and then they slow down. And then at that point, you know, good sense kicked in and I, I, this might be a real cop car. <laughs> so then I pulled over. Cop came out. He was so mad. He had probably been following me for like real life three minutes. Just a long time. I'm surprised helicopters 
didn't show up. He gets out of the car. I lower the window. I don't want him to knock, because I know if he knocks, he's going to knock loud. So I lower the window, and he has one question. He says, did you not see the lights? I told him, yeah. I saw the lights. I just, I just didn't know who you were. You know, sometimes you can see Jesus. Spend your whole life around Jesus. Learn everything you know that you can know about Jesus and not know who he is. And don't tell me you know who he is because you can read all some facts. Here's how I know you know who he is. Are you ready? I'm bringing it home. You recognize his authority. And when he puts on the sirens in your life because you are breaking some laws that are going to hurt you and damage you, you pull over because you know who he is. You know who he is. So, so who is he in your life? If, is, he, is he just a, a moral teacher? If Jesus is just a moral teacher in your life, then by all means, pick the job that pays the most. Or if you're single, date the guy that makes the most. If he's just a moral teacher, but if he's your Lord, how about you pray before you make a decision and allow the Lord of your life to put his input into your life if he's your Lord? Is Jesus just a nice guy that lived thousands of years ago? If he's just a nice guy, then drink however much you want. Sleep with whatever kind of person you want. But if he's your Lord, you don't get to create your own moral code or your own right or wrong because culture says this or someone else. You've got to submit to what he says right or wrong. If he's your Lord, if he's your Lord, is he your Lord or is he, just, is he just a prophet who said some really nice things about God? If he's just a prophet, then listen, when someone hurts you or offends you, you don't have to forgive them because prophets bring the law. They brought the law. They ought to pay for their sins. But if he's your Lord and Savior who died on the cross for your sins, then you have no choice but to forgive that person who, who hurt you because your Lord forgave you. If he's your Lord, if he's your Lord. Now, don't tell me he is Lord. Who is he to you? Is he your Lord? And, and, and if he's not, fine. But can we just be honest then about who he is in our life then? Let's just be honest. If he isn't, then just be honest. He's, he's not my Lord. He's my salad bar. You know the salad bar? I go to the salad bar. I get the tomatoes. I get the lettuce. I get the dressing. I skip the onions because I don't like onions. Some people treat the Bible like a salad bar. I like this part. I like this part. I like this part. This part doesn't line up with what's on TV. So I'm not going to do that part. This part is not the way my, my dad raised me, my mom raised me, so I'm not going to do that part. You want to pick and choose? Cool. Then he's something to you, but he's not Lord, and I'm not judging. I'm asking. Yeah. Wow, Who is he so to you? Yeah, that's good. Is, is he your Lord, or is he the service recommendations in your, in your car manual? The, the service, we call them recommendations because that's what we think they are. They're not. You know, well, you know, it says 3,000 miles, change the oil, you know, but you don't have to. <laughs> you could push 35, you could push 36, you could push four, you could push five. 55, it's really when you have the money. <laughs> it's, you don't have to, it's a recommendation. Some of us look at the Bible like the things in here are recommendations. And that's why you break down. Don't you think the creator of you knows how to operate you and knows how you need to live so you can make it through? I know I'm coming in too hot for 10 a.m. I apologize. 
I'm just asking not who he is, because I know you know the answer, but the answer will not change your life. Who is he to you? Second question Jesus asked. It's about to get real positive. (laughs) This is going to get good now. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that cool? Can I just sit on this question for a little bit? Because some people think, and this just blows up your theology, because some people think the only reason why God made you was that you can do something for him. And that's so silly. Because he's God. In other words, there is nothing you can do, offer, or give that he does not already have. You were not created so that you can do things for him. Are you ready? You were created so you can enjoy him. From the jump, he just wanted to make someone who would have fun in life being with him. That's why he gives you good things. And this is God who wants, he wants you to ask him for things. He says, what do you want me to do for you? I love that about Jesus. Luke chapter 18, verse 40 through 41. Jesus stopped and directed the man. What man? We're going to keep it a mystery man for just a moment here. The man to be brought to him. And when he had been brought near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Luke chapter 18, verse 41. The man says, Lord, see how he knows who he is. Lord, he said, let me what? See, again, now, if you've never read the Bible, I bet your intuition is already telling you something about this man that the Bible does not tell us directly, but we can, we, can, we can discern it, we can deduce it, we see the inference, we get it. This man is obviously crippled. <laughs> Somebody's like, how did he get that from that? That is some deep revelation, Pastor, explain. He's not crippled. He's obviously what? Then why ask him what he wants? I'll tell you why. Jesus had to ask because some of us can't see and we're asking God to help us walk. And some of us can't walk and we're asking God to help us see. Are you ready? Sometimes our most felt need is not our greatest need. (laughs) Yep. And, and we'll ask him for the thing that we think we want because it's the thing that hurts the most. But it's not really the thing that will change your life. Raise your hand if you've ever taken Financial Peace University, the Dave Ramsey class, and awesome. It's helped many couples. It's helped me and my wife. We take it like once every three years just to refresh, and I would encourage you to do it. We offer it every spring and fall semester of our small group. So in the fall, we'll offer it again. I remember going because I didn't have enough money and thinking that this class was going to teach me how to make more money. But it's based on the Bible not Bitcoin. <laughs> it's based on the Bible, not, you know, Jim Cramer, some stock analyst, if you didn't know. I do stocks. <laughs> so I went to this class, and guess what like, the first six weeks were on? Budgeting. And I was so disillusioned. <laughs> but he was trying to help me understand that the problem isn't that I don't make enough money that the real problem is that I spend too much money. And if I make more money, but I haven't yet developed the ability to manage the money I have, then when I get more money, I'ma just blow it the moment I get it. Are you ready? Stop searching for temporary solutions to permanent problems. 
We ask God for things because it hurts the most, and God's like, but that's not really what you need. Can I, can I speak to anybody who's sick today? If you came to church and you have an illness today, you know, sometimes we think that the prayer to pray is God heal me. And I believe that. Pray God heal me. But you know what I realized as I was studying scripture? All healing is temporary. Like if you have cancer and you pray and the Lord heals you from cancer today and you're in your 30s, praise the Lord. Does that mean that you live forever? Or does that mean you have more years? You have more years. One day you'll be 99. And you know what prayer won't serve you at 99 when everything is collapsing and failing? And Lord, heal me. God ain't going to do no Benjamin Button miracle on you. In that moment, he's going to be like, I got you. Let's rewind it. Run it back. But you know what prayer will serve you? Lord, give me faith to know that whatever is on the other side of that casket is going to be more beautiful than the thing that I am experiencing right now. Because healing is temporary, but faith is eternal. So while you're praying, Lord, heal me, here's what the Lord say. I'll do that, but that's not what you really need. What you really need is faith. Lord, give me faith so that you heal me, but that even if you don't heal me, I believe you're going to use this for your glory and my good. And whatever's on the other side of this illness, my God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be beautiful. I believe it. Don't pray, Lord, grow my business. I mean, you pray it, pray it, Lord, grow my business, pray it. But, but also pray this. Listen, maybe you ought to, and Lord, keep me humble. Because maybe the reason why I want my business to grow is so I can finally show mom that I'm successful. But you won't feel that way once you get the money and the followers. You're still going to feel empty. Maybe the prayer you pray isn't, God, give me a person to love. Maybe the prayer really should be, God, help me love myself. Maybe the prayer shouldn't be, God, change my spouse. Maybe the real prayer should be, God, change me. Because you can have a different spouse in the same you and bring the same problems into that relationship. Here's the question Jesus is asking you today. Let me rephrase it. What do you want? <laughs> Sorry, I got a little flashback. I was born in the 80s. Tell me you were born in the 80s about tell me you were born in the 80s and that you grew up in the 90s. Jesus said, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> That's what he said. That's just some of the stuff that goes through my head while I preach, y'all. I'll let you in on that one. Tell me what you want, and not just what you want, but think about what do you really, really need. What do you want me for, to do for you? And don't ask me for something temporary. Wow. Ask me for something eternal. Wow. And here's the last question that Jesus asks you and me. Probably the most powerful question in our arsenal as believers, in, in Jesus' arsenal, I should say. Well, that sounds mean, like he's trying to blow us up in his toolbox. <laughs> Jesus is probably one of Jesus' greatest questions in his toolbox. Do you love me? Wow. So good. Do you love me? He asks Peter this question after being resurrected from the grave. He meets Peter on the shores. John 21, 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, not, not later, but right after. Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
At this point, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. I have a theory. I think Jesus asked the question three times because this is the question we're quickest to answer without thinking. If I would ask you, do you love the Lord? You would say, yeah, I love him. I mean, quick. Yeah, I love God. It's been so good to me. Absolutely, I love the Lord. And, and Jesus had to ask him three times not to get the right answer from Peter, but to get Peter to think about the right things. Peter stops after the third question and goes and meditates and reflects. And the Bible says he was hurt because he asked him, not again, asked him three times, what is it about the number three that resonated with Peter? Perhaps the fact that as Jesus was being pulled away to the cross, it was Peter who denied Christ three times. The Bible says he reflects on the number three and goes, and Jesus wasn't trying to make him feel bad. This is what Jesus was saying. He was alluding to the way that Peter would die because Peter, for preaching the gospel, would be crucified like Jesus was crucified, except upside down. And so Jesus is trying to get Peter to a headspace where he says this, when things got tough, you left me. Peter, I'm about to leave to heaven again and things will get tough. Will you leave me then? Are you ready? This question is not to be answered. It's to be wrestled with. Do you love me? And don't answer. Wrestle with it. You know, I wrestle with the question every day, do I love Liz Vasquez? Not just my mama, but my wife. My wife and my mom have almost the same name. It's not weird, and I didn't plan it. <laughs> I wrestle with that question every day. You know when I wrestle with it? I wrestle with it on Mondays when I'm tempted to spend a little more time in the office, even though Monday nights are date nights and there's one more person to counsel, there's one more leader to develop, there's one more sermon to prepare, there's one more pastor to encourage, there's one more email to send. When my work piles up, I have to wrestle with the question, do I love Liz? And in wrestling with that question, the wrestling of that then clarifies my next steps. I gotta wrestle with it. I wrestle with that question every Friday morning when the trash is full and I forgot to take it out. But Friday's my day off. It's the only day I can sleep in. And I forget. And just, does this happen to anyone else? You hear the, the trash, the, does it happen to people? You hear the truck coming, but you're still half asleep, you're half awake, you're alert enough to know that you failed. But, but you're also asleep enough to know, but if I just don't move, my partner will not know that I hear that truck coming. And it's just easier to pretend like I'm sleeping than to do some of the very few things that she asks me to do every week. And, and in, that, in that place, in my bed, where I'm half awake and half asleep, I have to wrestle with the question, do I love Liz? Do I love Liz? I thought I was proud of the answer in that moment. But I gotta, I gotta wrestle with it. I, you know what, I gotta wrestle with the question when, when she points things out in me that lead me to make changes in my character, but they make me feel uncomfortable. Changes to my integrity, purity, changes to my selfishness. She points them out and says, hey, this, 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 and that. And, and I've gotta know, 
if I'm going to put the work in to shape my character, do I love her? It's not a question to be answered. It's a, question, it's a question to wrestle with. Listen, because love is not static. You either grow to love more or you grow to love less. So here we go, Christians. Here we go. If you've been a Christian for a while, when Jesus asked the question, do you love me? You know what he's really asking? Which direction is your love for me going? Is there a time in your life where you can look back and be like, that's when I love God the most? If so, beware. Or can you look in the mirror today? Or can you look at me today? Can you look at Jesus today and, ask, and answer that question? Yes, Jesus, I love you today more than I've ever loved you before. And if you can answer this question, by the way, you can answer any question in the world. I got this app on my phone and, I, and it, it was a real thing before it was an app. It's called, uh, it's called the Compass. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a compass before. Are we good? Yeah. So this compass doesn't tell you where to go. It just tells you where north is. It's important to know that. One time we were at the Gaylord Palms with my kids doing a scavenger hunt that they give. They didn't know that the red was north. So they thought that every uh, prize was north. So they just kept going north, the entire hotel, just walking north thinking that's where the prize was. That's not what it is. It's, it's telling you, right, compasses don't tell you where to go. They tell you where you're at. If you want to know where you're at with God, wrestle with the question, do you love me? And then here's the beautiful thing about a compass. Let's rotate. Yeah. No matter which direction I'm facing, I always know where north is. Can I bring it home? No matter what you're facing in life, you'll always know what's true. If you can answer that question. So, and we're good, thank you. So, so, so if I'm facing a season of my life where I feel alone, I go, okay, if I'm alone though, and do, Jesus, do you love me? Do I love Jesus? Okay. Yes, Jesus, I do love you. Okay. Then even though I'm facing loneliness, I love Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. Well, then if you love me, don't go looking over there. Don't go looking over there. And don't go looking over there for a love you've already received. If you can answer that question, you've answered all the questions. And let me flip it. Are you popular? Do you have 1.2 million subscribers on Instagram, followers on Instagram? 100,000 subscribers on YouTube? Do you have a lot of friends and, and everybody's around you? And God is saying, cool, cool. I'm glad that a lot of people quote unquote love you, but do you love me? Because if you love me, then don't let the crowd become your direction. Don't follow them because they're gonna pull you in directions that'll be away from me. If you love me, then you know what to do in every situation of your life. I'm grateful for this because there are seasons in my life as a pastor, if I can admit, well, I don't always know the answers to the questions. There are moments, and this is my prayer, and I don't know if there's a Christian who's been a Christian for a while who can testify to this, but every time I'm in the middle of a situation that I don't have the solution to, listen, I go to the Lord, and the first thing I say every time I get into his presence is, Lord, I'm not really sure what to do, but this is what I do know, I love you. 
Lord, I got real no hope for this situation, but even though I don't have hope, I love you. Lord, I don't only have the money to cover the bills for next month, and I'm sorry about that. I know I didn't manage it well. I know I don't have the resources or the provision, but here's what I do know. I love you. God, I know my marriage isn't going well right now, and I wish it was going better, but even though I'm not sure if my wife loves me or if even I love her, here's what I do know. I love you. God, I know that my faith is being rocky, and I'm being questioned, and I'm, and I'm deconstructing things, and I'm not even sure what I believe anymore, but if there's one thing I know, it's that I love you. Lord, I know that my health isn't what I want it to be, and I wish I had strength, but, but there's one thing I know, Lord. I love you, and I, and I, and I know that, that I'm not perfect, and I keep on sinning, and I keep on making mistakes, and I, and I, wish, I, went, I wish I knew a way out, but, but here's what I do know. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. When the world doesn't make sense, I love you. When I feel broken, I love you. When I disagree with you, I love you. 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 Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today, can I encourage you? Maybe you're far from God. Can I encourage you? How about this? That, that the question Jesus doesn't ask is, are you perfect? Some of you say, well, I would love to come to Jesus today, but I can't come to Jesus because I have a drinking problem. He didn't ask you if you had a drinking problem. He said, do you love me? I'd love to come to Jesus today, but I'm in an abusive relationship and, and I don't even know that I believe in God. He didn't ask you about your relationship. He asked you, do you love me? Yes. Well, you know, my faith is really starting to be rocky. I'm, I'm watching these certain YouTubers and my faith is really deconstructing. He didn't ask you what was being deconstructed. He said, do you love me? If you're far from God today, the answer to that question is the only requirement to spend eternity with God. Yes. Not rules, not religion, relationship. Yes. Do you love me? All over this building, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you want to come back to Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand high. I'm not perfect, but I want to begin to love him today. I don't know that I could have said that yesterday, but I can say it today. All over this room, on three. One, that's you. Raise your right hand to the sky. Nobody's looking, just you and Jesus. Two, one, two, three. Raise your right hand high. I see it all over the space, all over the space, all over the space. Bunch of hands, bunch of hands. Praise the Lord. Amen. Pray this prayer with me if you raise your hand, even if you didn't. Father God, I don't know, but what I do know is that I love you. Take my life. Take my past. Take my future. I repent. I turn from my old ways, and I turn to you. You are not just my answer. You are my question, and I will wrestle with you every day of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, will you stand on your feet? We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.